what could we do if we imagine differently what you know small business support and ecosystem building looks like right like there could be things that we're not even thinking of yet that we haven't even created in our mind yet that are that are possible Welcome to Forging Forward, the official podcast of Forward Cities, and I am your host, Roger Satterwhite, Content Marketing Manager at Forward Cities. Forward Cities is a national nonprofit equipping communities and regions to grow and sustain more equitable entrepreneurial ecosystems. Today, we will be switching things up a bit for the final episode of Season 1 of Forging Forward. And in just a moment, I will be reconnecting with previous guests, Fort City's local directors, for a brief update about their work as ecosystem builders and the intersection of the COVID-19 pandemic and global movements for racial equity and justice. Before we dive into the questions, could you all briefly introduce yourselves for anyone new joining us today? My name is Elsie Johnson and I am the local director of community entrepreneurship for Franklin County, Ohio. Um, And located in Franklin County is the capital of Ohio, Columbus, Ohio and the surrounding areas. Um, And I do the on the ground work of building a more inclusive ecosystem. So my name is Kalia Ligon. I am the local director for community entrepreneurship in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yes, my name is Kim Lewis and I am an ecosystem builder in New Kensington, PA, which is right outside of Pittsburgh. And this may be somewhat of a heavier question now, um, considering the times, Um, how are you doing? That is a bit of a loaded question. Um, So, you know, what I didn't say in my bio, but is very true of my life and an important part of my work is that I'm an entrepreneur myself and I'm also a black woman, an African-American woman. And um, the convergence of our multiple pandemics, both the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the social unrest have definitely put additional weight into my work in the last few months. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think from the perspective of, you know, purely the mission of our work, I think in some ways it's really highlighted inequities that we already knew existed, um, but in a way that's been very devastating. Um, And then I think on the personal front, you know, navigating as a Black woman, an entrepreneur, a mother, all of that during this time has been challenging because, you know, you don't, or at least I don't separate that aspect of my identity from, you know, the work that I do or the reason why I do it. And so just trying to navigate the emotional turmoil um, of this moment has been challenging and um, has really challenged me to kind of sit with not just what's going on, but my own reasons for doing this work and um, the reasons that the need for this work exists, which most of us are either understand or are beginning to understand um, are much greater than any one individual, but really are about um, the type of systematic oppression that has been a part of um, our country since its founding. I appreciate you um, 
just for your authenticity and speaking to um, the multiple facets of your identity um, and bringing that to work. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Elsie. What about you, Kalia? You know, it's a good question. Uh, and honestly, it changes from day to day. Um, I'm uh, someone who tries to, you know, be aware of what's happening, you know, in my community and around the world, et cetera. But at the same time, I like it in small doses. Um, and I like to try to find uh, the positive news, the news that's spreading joy, um, and try to, um, you know, avoid a lot of the things that really just kind of pull me down. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm aware of, you know, obviously uh, a lot of the really terrible things that are happening right now, um, but I try to actively look for positive things. And um, so, yeah, it really does change from day to day in terms of how I'm doing. Um, I don't even know. Uh, today, I think I'm just, I'm here. Yeah. Um, I'm, I have a smile on my face and I think that I have a lot to be grateful for. Um, but I still, at the same time, feel like I'm just here. Um, there's, a, there's so much that I can't change. Um, so much that I wish I had a magic wand uh, to wave um, and fix. Um, but I don't. So... And I can appreciate that feeling of just being here. Um, and that is enough. You don't, you're not obligated to feel any other way. Like just being here is enough. Um, Thank you for that At this time. Yeah. And you, Kim, how are you doing? I am doing good. Um, I am really um, just trying to navigate the, I'm a mom of four teenagers who have to go back to school and what are the best choices to make for them as schools are starting to roll out their reentry plan. So when I talk about how I'm doing, I'm really, I'm doing good. I'm hopeful. Um, but you know, there's the, the nagging stress of not knowing what our routines and plans are going to be. Right. I can't imagine. Um, I know that a lot of different schools are trying to figure out like a hybrid between online versus in person and just making sure kids have access as well to internet if that's going to be the case. Yes and we're navigating that here in our community just like everybody else. Yeah. And so last time we talked it was a little bit in the weeds of COVID but not necessarily in this time of social unrest. Um, and as described by our president, Faye Horwitt, in a recent letter to America's, she recalled Dr. King's words in an earlier speech, the other America. Um, she said he posited that there exist two states of being in our country, two Americas. In one America, millions of people experience every day the opportunity of having life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in all of their dimensions. King explains that the other America has a daily ugliness about it that constantly transforms hope into despair. They find themselves perishing on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. Thinking about that quote and speaking of the two Americas, um, ecosystem builders are often touted as um, bridges between entrepreneurial support organizations and the entrepreneurs themselves. 
um, between capital and entrepreneur support organizations, but being a bridge for resources for everyone within the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, and how do you think, from your perspective, ecosystem builders will play in a role of healing, um, increasing connective, connectiveness throughout the country um, as we deal through these like tumultuous times? Um, so thank you for asking. And, and again, you know, the same way I shared, thank you for recognizing the different intersections that exist. Um, I think that at least for myself, you know, even just to say, you know, I'm doing this work and while I'm doing this work, I'm very mindful that a lot of the entrepreneurs that I'm seeing being really devastated by COVID um, look like me, you know, they yeah. look like my uncles, my cousins, my brothers, my sisters, right. they look like me, they look like people that I love. Um, and it's not that, you know, there isn't additional empathy for folks who don't have my same identities or lived experiences. It's not that at all. But I think that um, when you're constantly confronted with your the community that you identify with, um, you know, struggling for a variety of different reasons, struggling for that freedom that, you know, part of that other America, as you just stated, um, it's challenging because we talk about how kids need role models, but the fact of the matter is we all need role models. We all need models for what's, what is possible, for what can exist. Um, and research has shown that, you know, it, it, Role modeling is is incredibly impactive when paired with representation. So when people get to see themselves, see people who share their lived experiences flourish, it helps them understand how they can flourish. But the opposite can also be challenging and true, which is that if you're constantly confronted with the ways in which your communities are being devastated by, you know, by COVID, which, you know, just to give an example, um, you know, the the PPP program when launched had about a 50% acceptance rate, but for African-American entrepreneurs, it was 12%. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you constantly are seeing the ways big and small um, that, or I'm constantly seeing the ways big and small that my community is having to navigate additional burdens. Um, and since we're quoting black luminaries, you know, I'll quote another and say, still we rise, because I think that is true and real as well. But just to see, you know, the additional labor that it takes in order to navigate, you know, those systemic barriers is really challenging. Um, the other piece that I will say is that, you know, in some ways, the, the, um, social unrest has been so emotional. It's been, um, you know, I have two children that I'm raising, um, and it's hard, you know, I sometimes sit back and I'm like, what was I thinking bringing these black children into this world? Um, but at the same time, one of the things that I think is really powerful about this moment is that it is really challenging a lot of people who may not have understood systemically, um, what systemic oppression really is to look beyond kind of what many of us think about as, you know, quote unquote, racism or prejudice, which is individual prejudice from one individual person to another. And I think the moment that we're in right now has really been encouraging a lot of people to look beyond, you know, a surface understanding of racism, oppression, privilege, those terms, and really look at, you know, you know, what is going on and what has happened, um, 
historically and how is that impacting people's lived experiences today. So in that way, I feel that this is a moment where change could be possible. Um, and I feel that this is a moment where, you know, from the social unrest, we can start to look at not just the justice system, but start to examine all of our different systems. You know, COVID has challenged us to look at our financial institutions and the way that um, entrepreneurs do or don't have access to the resources that they need to thrive. Um, the social unrest has challenged us to look at that at a systemic level and not just an individual, oh, did this, did this entrepreneur fill out their paperwork correctly? Well, we know that there's something systemic happening when we have a 50% acceptance rate across the board and we have a 12% acceptance rate of black entrepreneurs to the PPP program. That isn't about an individual person and individual loan documents. That's when you start to see a larger issue. And I think the culmination of all these things happening at one time is encouraging people to look beyond, which is hopeful. Agreed, Elsie. Kalia, your thoughts? So, um, you know, obviously all of the things that are going on related to the social unrest um, and the um, push, the fight for racial justice and equity in our country, um, you know, they're not new concepts by any stretch of the imagination. I'm very um, proud of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, you know, it's a really interesting time to be living in. Um, I have joked that there were certain time periods in the country and in the world that I could not have been born into uh, because it would have been all kinds of trouble for me um, and I probably wouldn't have made it. Um, you know, but, you know, someone, uh, you know, somewhere 50 years from now, 100 years from now may say that, oh, I couldn't have been living during those times uh, and having that same, you know, reaction and reflection. Um, you know, honestly, the work feels heavy because I am just one person. And, um, you know, I really want to see Black-owned businesses and Latino-owned businesses not just survive, but thrive. Um, you know, and I wouldn't even say that, you know, in life, I wouldn't even say that the goal is to be um, in parity with white folks. Um, I think that they're, um, you know, true to what Dr. King said in that, uh, that speech, you know, they do enjoy um, a lot more uh, than African-American counterparts, Latino counterparts, um, even to this day. Um, we know that some of the um, racial inequities are actually more pervasive now than they were then, uh, which is really scary to think about. Um, but even with that, I don't necessarily hold uh, whiteness or um, white wealth as the, as the gold standard. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm looking for opportunities, again, for black and brown entrepreneurs to not just survive, but to thrive. And, you know, that may mean that we exceed and bust all records um, ever made. Um, you know, I look at what's happening right now with the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'm super um, excited that it has once again united the world. Um, and that's, it's just so heartwarming. Um, and I see that, you know, folks want to, at least for the moment, 
you know, support black businesses. And so I want, you know, black business owners to ride that wave uh, for as long as it's there. Um, if I have to be honest, you know, I am skeptical that that is something that will last a long and meaningful time. Um, you know, all of the challenges that we have have been created over generations. And um, the time to correct those things is now. Um, but I think too that, you know, I worry that there's a, it's a trend uh, for non-black people to support black businesses. Um, I do believe that black people have always supported black businesses and always will. It's not a trend for us. It's a way of life um, because we can get what we need from each other. Um, and so I'm feeling like, um, you know, I want to, um, you know, encourage non-black people to really make a firm, resolute commitment to supporting Black lives, to supporting Black businesses, to supporting Black education, Black health equity, um, you know, all, you know, Black social justice, you know, generally for a lifetime. Um, and I think that that will be very difficult for many folks, even as well-meaning as they want to be, to sustain. Um, but certain people don't get a choice. Um, I'm Black every day. 365 until the day I die, and I wouldn't change that. Um, but I do, you know, think that, you know, when you're born into this body, you know, it's because you can carry the weight that comes with it. Um, and so I'm proud of that. Yes. Thank you, Kalia. Um, I also wanted to note that because of the work you do and the work of ecosystem builders like you, communities will have increased awareness of those small businesses and that increased awareness will lead to um, normalizing you know shopping local shopping small shopping black shopping brown and back to you kim uh, what role do ecosystem builders play in our two americas That's a really good question, Raja, and it's something I've spent a lot of time thinking about because the history of Forward Cities in New Kensington, um, the reason Forward Cities was even here in the first place was stakeholders realized that they were bringing in opportunity that residents of the community in poverty would miss, and they couldn't live with themselves if they continued moving forward on initiatives without making an effort to connect all residents of New Kensington equitably to these opportunities. And I really think that ecosystem builders are the translators between the people in the community, between the entrepreneurs, between the workforce, between people that are in barriers that are not they're doing, or maybe even ones that are they're doing. Um, Ecosystem builders function as the translators between the stakeholders and the people in the community. And our entire engagement here in New Kensington has been translating. Um, the beauty of the fact that I'm a resident here um, is that I understand the language of the community because the community is my community. 
and I understand the language of the stakeholders because I too have been educated and experienced um, in a similar way um, as the people that are coming in from being consultants and coming in as um, university educators. And so what's happened is the initiatives we've had here has connected the groups. We're at the very beginning, we don't have it figured out, but what I have experienced as an ecosystem builder is I've seen dots get connected and people get connected with opportunities because I've been able to help the, help the two different groups understand each other. Thank you um, for your work in expressing and explaining how ecosystem builders are able to, like you said, be translators. I think that's a critical part of um, moving forward is that everyone can understand and be in the same library, but also reading the same book and comprehending the same path forward. Um, yes. So that's great. But what is giving you hope during this time? Well, I'll just kind of reiterate, you know, the what what I was just saying, because I think that is the biggest source of my, you know, hope for the future and what can happen next is, mm -hmm. is the number of people who are waking up and not just not just the number of but the diversity of people, you know, I'm having people who I never thought I'd be having these conversations with that I'm having these conversations with I'm having people who have thought of themselves as allies really start to go deeper um, and examine the ways that they themselves benefit off of these systems or how this works in their organization and in their families and in their lives. So I am seeing people, you know, to your point, uh, waking up. It's not just about the number, but it's also about across many different lived experiences, we're seeing people wanting to know more, opening up to conversations around, you know, what systemic change looks like. You know, I wouldn't have thought that years ago we'd be having protests and real cities considering defunding the police. And, you know, people may say, well, what does that have to do with, what does that have to do with, um, you know, with, with uh, ecosystem building? But Adrian Marie Brown, who's an activist out of Detroit and wrote a book called um, emergent strategies, which I really love and talks about, um, you know, she talks about activism and she talks about the power of imagination, which is the power of imagining something radically different than what exists is the first step to true change. So the fact that somebody imagined, you know, that a conversation could be had on a large city and state level around defunding police, that that's imagination. That's something different than anything that was in our current, you know, cultural lexicon. And so when we're seeing people use that level of imagination, um, right now it's that sector, but what could we do if we imagine differently what, you know, small business support and ecosystem building looks like, right? Like there could be things that we're not even thinking of yet that we haven't even created in our mind yet that are, that are possible. And so seeing that radical imagination and action, seeing people wake up to, um, you know, a different level of understanding and wanting to be educated, I think is something that's bringing me tremendous hope right now. Here in Indianapolis, I feel like people are not waiting for someone to give them permission to do something. You know, I'm hearing funders talking about you know, how to support Black-owned businesses, how to support Black-owned entities um, and other ecosystem builders. Um, 
the conversations that I've been having of late, trying not to uh, necessarily be on a soapbox every moment of the day, is that, you know, we don't only have to have one of something. Um, you know, tokenism's dead. Let's cancel it. Um, we can't just have one Black entity that we support and put all our weight behind. There's going to be multiple. Um, and so I want our funders locally, nationally, around the world to really understand, you know, that it takes, just like it takes more than one entity to support um, the white ecosystem, you know, the same is going to be true of the Black entrepreneurial ecosystem and of the Latino entrepreneurial ecosystem. And so my hope is that they will see the opportunity um, to share their wealth, to open up their endowments, to um, supporting Black-owned businesses, um, because we um, have, you know, strength and assets to be built upon, um, and we deserve investment, um, ultimately. And so I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, if funders will, um, you know, loosen those purse strings a bit, um, you know, and make their investments more equitable, um, we'll see uh, even better outcomes. And that's not to say that we have to wait for them to do that. You know, we have already started to do what we need to do. Um, but to have some, someone, some entity come alongside you, you know, it just increases the impact. And so I'm hoping that we'll get that investment that we deserve um, and that we know that will expand that impact. I, yeah, I appreciate you providing that example of funders uh, supporting different investments. I think that'll be important. And I think that's um, critical to ecosystem building that ecosystem builders are building those connections to those different spheres and um, ecosystems that could be operating, you know, sufficiently from others. And I think it's critical that ecosystem builders like yourself continue to build those bridges and connections so that we diversify those ecosystem builders so there isn't just a Black ecosystem, Latino, Asian, or white specific ecosystem in that, you know, there's diff like diversity in each. And it's just, the only thing that might separate us is, you know, geographically, we're separated. So I appreciate you, Kalia. Thank you for your time and sharing uh, updates with our audience. Thank you, Raza. Kim, back to you with our final thoughts. What's giving you hope? The thing that's giving me hope right now, at least locally, is everybody's still trying to figure it out even though we don't have it figured out yet. Mm. People are doing the work. They're doing the work to try and understand each, each other and try and make the connections. Um, I can't go into details on it, but there's an initiative right now being done by people who don't have to do it um, to get all of our homes without technology and Wi-Fi access, free access and devices before school starts on August 31st. They don't have to do that, but mm. people are selflessly giving of themselves to make sure opportunity is coming to every child in this community. And when you give the children the opportunities, you're giving the household the opportunities as well, because the technology and devices will be in the home. 
And then that's connecting and bridging back to the opportunities we've worked on here at Forward Cities. And it's connecting and bridging back to the initiatives that are, are in place that can take somebody that's living in a barrier that, as, as the King quote said, the daily ugliness um, that people are facing and it can turn around, turn it around and shine some light and some hope into those opportunities for those households because um, somebody who didn't have to do the work is choosing to do the work because they understand that this is what people need and they're trying to meet the need that exists today. So my hope is in the fact that if that's going on now, as we start to figure out moving forward and translating the diff our differences and coming to our common ground and then moving forward together that we're going to see more and more and more of the commu community connecting and more and more opportunity giving to people who have never had opportunity before. This has been season one of Forging Forward, and I have enjoyed being your host. Forging Forward will be back after a brief break with season two. We'll be chatting with Fort City's research and community innovation teams and some of the innovative entrepreneurs from Community Entrepreneur Accelerators. To learn more about our work, be sure to check out the important links included in the show description or visit forwardcities.org. Until next time, consider supporting Forging Forward by subscribing, telling a friend or colleague about the show, rate and leave a review, and most importantly, take care. Forging Forward was made possible by leaders of Forward Cities, Christopher Gergen, Faye Horwitz, Michelle Benham, and special thanks to Simone Fogg.